Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. This is Best of the Nest, the podcast that's all about creating happy, healthy, beautiful homes that prepare us to fly. It's nice to be with you today, and I think this is a very important topic that we're discussing, especially as we come off of the long Memorial Day weekend. If you're listening to this right when it drops, if you're not, you know, whatevs. We go through a weekend every <laughs> single week. And man, the Sunday Scaries, sister, they are the real deal. I have had them all my life. Seriously. They were, they were probably the worst in middle school. I was very anxious going back to school on Monday. I remember that from school too. I was looking up Sunday scaries and it's kind of like a slang term for right. Sunday night blues. It's yeah. this it's that feeling that we experience before we're heading back to the world after a weekend away. And Sunday scaries describes this feeling of anxiety. It builds up over the course of Sunday afternoon. It gets worse by the evening. And I was reading about this survey that Monster did, which is like a job website. They say up to 76% of Americans self-reported having really bad Sunday night anxiety and then compare that to just 47% of people around the world. Not surprisingly, Americans are feeling it worse than others because we get ourselves all worked up. Oh, that's so interesting. I know. The comparison that, that of course, we're the most anxious about going back to work. Yes. You know, I did, I did the same thing because you and I are so much alike. I Googled it and right away a Reddit thread came up about Sunday blues and so there were all these people just chiming in on how they feel on Sunday night and I thought you would love this. Oren wrote, I can't stand the 60 minutes tick, 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 because growing up, my parents would always watch that show. It was literally counting down the minutes until the weekend officially ended. (laughs) Torture. But it's true. You can think of those Sunday night shows that, you know, for me as a kid, that they were, they were this, they were the, they were the signal that the weekend was over. And I think for me, and it's not so much anymore, like the true Sunday blues for me as a kid, I was really, really shy as a kid. I was an introvert. And when I say really, really shy, I mean, it wasn't debilitating. It's just social situations were not easy for me. I could fake it just fine. But having to ramp up the idea that I was going to go back to school was hard. Yeah. It was just hard. And now I think when most people feel it, it's going back to work for any multitude of reasons. Why do you think you have it? Well, I think, you know, for me, I think it's a lot about the, um, it's a harsh juxtaposition between my weekday life and my weekend life. And I mm. almost, I mean, I almost feel it like going into the weekend too. It's like, so what I'm really trying to do is institute ways to make it that my weekends and my weekdays aren't such like a hard slam against each other. Because I mean, I like, I run and I have to minute maximize a lot during the week. And like my weekday during the day schedule is tight and see i think elizabeth anytime you're saying i have to minute maximize (laughs) you you are living a very intense life it's you know it's high speed i you know my 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 therapist interestingly enough has said you don't 
realize that this isn't normal, right? <laughs> like you don't get that like the pace that you go at isn't normal. I think that it's just, this is just the way things are and things that I have to fit in. So I'm, you know, I'm working on that, but, um, wait a second, wait a second. So the therapist says to you, minute maximizing, this is a lot, this isn't normal. Do you change it? Well, I don't really change the way that it is because for me, that's, it's, it's okay. It's just getting right. to be like having a little bit more recognition that it, that everyone isn't living that way and that right. it's okay to try to make some adjustments to cope with it a little bit better. It's And it's that and it's that that's making the two slam together so hard. I think so because I think like yeah, Sunday, you know, and then I just start to feel like, oh my gosh, did I get enough fun in on the weekend? Am I getting enough relaxation? And then it's just, I, I don't know, it just like all builds up and it just feels right. like this, like I'm like touching my sternum right now while I'm talking to you because that's where the stress like builds up and it's like, ugh. and I found, I mean, there was a time when I found that I was like legitimately ruining every Sunday for myself and probably for my husband. I don't think as much for my kids, but I was just really snappy and really just like, okay, um, hello, are we doing this? Like what's happening here? What are we doing? What's going on all the time? It was just like a very... And then you've and then you've lost the day. Totally. You've lost it. That's what yeah, everybody that's... does. I mean, and that is really the definition of the Sunday scaries is like when you have them, yeah. you completely destroy Sundays for yourself. And then it's even worse because what you're feeling is that sadness that the weekend is over and that you're going to hit it right into the week. And then you've ruined 50% of your relaxation time and it's brutal. And, and the other thing I think I used to do is talk about work on the weekend, yeah. which made... Which made it pointless and made Sundays even worse. Yeah. Yeah. You're totally right. This was a really interesting thing that I was reading about, about the Sunday scaries. And there was a psychologist who said, anxiety is a future oriented state. So do anything you can. And it's best to make this a practice to ground you in the present moment. And I, that was like a real ding, ding, ding. Anxiety is a future oriented state. And it's so true because what you do when you have anxiety is about anything in the Sunday scaries is just a type of a manifestation of anxiety is you've ruined the present by being anxious about the future. Oh, that should be on a pillow. <laughs> <laughs> like a very, like a pillow that you can rest on and just try to like not say, say be so one, anxious. Say it one more time. Well, anxiety, you've ruined the present by being anxious about the future. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Boy, if I could take back. <laughs> See if I could get back some of those days. I know. It's so true. Honestly. Okay. So when we talk about the Sunday scaries then, I mean, I think the idea is how do we cope with it? You know, one thing that I really started to do recently when I realized it was kind of ruining and I was getting like this restlessness on Sundays was um, planning something fun on Sunday afternoons. And I used to kind of think like Sunday afternoon and evening needed to be like this quiet wind down time in my right. house. And now I've decided that's not the case. So like, I love to plan like Sunday night dinners and having family over or like in the summer, we like to go to the pool a lot on Sunday afternoon. So like Sunday at three, we'll go to the pool and then we do dinner there and we just have that. And then we come home and, and that helps because anything we can do to kind of make sure that the kids are really tired out by the end of the day. And they just right. are like, we just pick them up and have a quick right. bedtime means that Jay and I get that get some nice like time to ourselves Sunday night evening. before the week sort of heats up again yeah yeah and I found that it's sort of like that 3 p.m. to like 7 p.m. fun 
that then is then you still have some time in the later evening for our schedule to be able to just get ready for the week but then still enjoy it because I was finding that I'm not having any fun we're not doing anything like what's going on it was Sundays were really they have been not great for me and I have been actively working on making them better and if you have to look at it is it and here's kind of a weird question is Sunday difficult for you because it's the end of the weekend and this goes back to the idea of the two slamming together or do you start to have anxiety thinking about the week in front of you I think or is it both I think it's kind of a little bit of both so it's the slamming together. Yeah. It's, it's transitioning from one to the other. And they're just so together. different. Yeah, they're so different. Another thing that I think is helping is I've been really doing all that I can to keep my Monday mornings free at work. And I really, I mean, I get that not everybody has the flexibility to kind of manage their own work schedule. But I mean, just in terms of my job, trying to avoid scheduling like really big shoots, even a Monday evening, Monday evening events, I say no to 99.9% of anything on a Monday night because That's really smart. it was That's like really smart. That was the biggest thing that was just causing me like, because then I would start the day with a 12 hour day and yeah. just be like, okay, here we go. And I've got no break. And it's just like, hit right into it. So if I can try to keep my Monday mornings open and it's just a matter of like, you know, in my work, it's when people say, what day can you do this shoot? I just don't say Monday. <laughs> I yes. just like, no, and we are similar because I'm a TV producer. I try and do the same thing that I cushion Monday morning. And the way that I do that, I do a couple of things because I want to make sure that I have the best frame of mind Sunday night going into Monday. Mm -hmm. And one of the things I've started doing, I've done this actually for a long time, is on Fridays, I clean my office. Oh, that's good. Yeah, so I tidy everything up. I have um, some a spritzer in my in my cabinet above my desk. I have paper towel up there. I wipe down my whole desk area. I wipe down everything. I make sure that my notes are all stacked and my projects are all stacked. And then I also make a to do list for Monday morning of all the things all the things that I have to get done right away so that I don't have to think about it Sunday night. And that way, when I come in Monday morning, it's sort of like the office is ready for me. And that amazingly has been a really great thing just to walk into a clean organized office Monday morning I don't I don't dread going physically going into the office on Monday okay that is so smart I totally need to start doing that I'm always like racing out the door on Friday and if I could just I mean it probably takes you five ten minutes to do that it's not that big of a deal yeah I tend to leave at the same time and I was going to leave yesterday because it was a holiday weekend I thought well maybe I'll just go a little bit early and I was actually packing up my backpack and the office was a mess. And I'm like, nope, not going to leave. And I sat back down and I organized everything because I know what a difference it makes to me on the other end. It helps me want to get to work on Monday. Try it. I think it it really will make a difference. It's really great. I think that is a really great idea. And that was another thing when I was like just kind of researching Sunday scaries and kind of looking at like, Mm -hmm. you know, how people cope with this is that this this continual thread was it really is something that you have to manage throughout the week. That it's like it because what happens is It's just, it can be just this culmination of like, you can be just going, 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 going Friday night, then you maybe do something fun. And then Saturday you're doing something fun. And then Sunday, it's like all of the anxiety from the week that you kind of didn't let yourself feel for the whole week, just like kicks you right in the pants. And then it's like, man, what are we doing here on Sundays? So I love that concept of on a Monday or on a Friday, making sure that you're already kind of ahead and just 
preparing for what Monday is going to bring to you? I always make sure that I have a treat on Monday. Oh! Whether it's I go out for coffee and get a latte or or get um, a smoothie or something like that, I always do that on a Monday. Yeah. So that's another good thing, too, is you really, you really do have to pamper yourself a little bit so that you're thinking about the fact that you're going to work less on Sunday <laughs> night. And both of us actually love our jobs. This I know. A, I mean, we're fortunate in that way. You know, Sunday blues for somebody who dreads work is a real thing. And, you know, going out and buying yourself a smoothie on Monday isn't going to solve that problem. Well, balancing, but, no, you're totally right. It's, but the struggle is real, I think, for everybody because it's, I do too. you know, we just, and I think as a culture, we just don't get, I mean, Americans don't get enough, we don't get enough time off. I mean, that's the truth of the matter. When you have jobs, I mean, the idea, really, let's think about this concept, Marjorie, the full idea that you would get two weeks off a year, two weeks. 10 days off of an entire year. It's insane. It's insane. Yes. I mean, it's seriously, it's crazy. And I, I don't know if I've told you this before, but I'll never forget. I mean, and this relates to so many things in our culture of just how we are just setting ourselves up to live this anxious life. It's And you hear those numbers, those statistics that say that Americans are experiencing Sunday night scaries at a rate that is significantly higher than the rest of the world. And we have everything here. I mean, we have so many amazing things and yet we're so stressed out it's because we're not giving ourselves the one thing that we need which is time time and time and a little bit of grace i remember when i was in canada when i was pregnant with bernie and my husband's best friend from college and hockey and everything he um he has a house in Kelowna in can in british columbia and so it's just this beautiful place and we were we went there before bernie was born and we had driven through canada and just like mm. loving life it was this amazing trip and i was sitting down on the dock overlooking the lake with a bunch of the other girls our friend's girlfriend at the time and then his mom and then some of their friends oh. had popped by on the boat and we were all chatting and they were all just being so sweet and talking to me about my pregnancy and they he said, oh, so how much time are you going to take off? And I said, I said, oh, you know, I'm, I'm going to take the full 12. So it'll be great. And they said, oh, my gosh, I remember, I remember Karen saying that is just so great. I mean, that first year is so important to stay home, to be with the baby, that and full like, year to just like have that time. And I was like choking on my LaCroix. And I was like, yeah. no, guys, I meant 12 weeks. And yeah. their look of horror. And what was so interesting is it wasn't, they looked at me in like a, oh, I'm so sad. I mean, it was like a, I'm so sad for this baby. I mean, really, that is, that is so sad is what they were saying. Like how, and it's, how? It's sad. It's sad all around. It's sad for everybody that we don't have um, better policies in this country that protect women and protect children in that sense, because all the studies will show that it's good for everybody. And if it's good for the mother and it's good for the baby, then it's going to be good for society. And we just don't look at it that way. And Gar was born in Nashville, and I had a pediatrician there who, I guess at the time, I felt like he was pretty old school. He was wonderful, but he was adamant about, I mean, he was mad that moms couldn't stay home or one parent couldn't stay home for a year. Right. Because a lot of the studies show that it's helpful. Yeah. It's just helpful. And so it is kind of heartbreaking. And that, that going back to work after 12 weeks, it just not only is the mom not at home with the baby anymore, 
but everybody's stress level goes up. Crazy. It just does. Yes. You just can't help but that transition is so – talk about two things slamming together. It is another example. It, that's just a bigger picture manifestation of the Sunday scaries of just that like mm. slamming of two things together. But, you know, when it comes to – Going back to work after maternity leave, that's another area where I just think if we had a little bit more of a grace period and even just a gradual transition, it would be so much better. I mean, I think, okay, could I have gone back to work one day the first week and then two days the next week and then three days the week after that? You know what I'm saying? So that it's not just you're home with this baby full time and then you are full time away from the baby. It's just, I will be perfectly blunt about it. I think it's cruel and unusual punishment to both mothers and babies, 100%. And that is just absolutely fundamentally how I feel about it. And I think it's such a joke when companies try to say, well, we can't afford it because most people are having one to two children. I mean, it's like a two average now. There are fewer families that are having five kids and it's happening I mean, think about the number of people that are on maternity leave in your company right now. It's probably one or two. I mean, it's just not this – it's not every employee every year that's going through this. It's a very small amount of people. And I think the the interesting thing is we have to – as a society, if you're going to support that, we really have to say, do we support women? Do we support families? And I I do think companies are balancing a lot. I get that. They really do. Between healthcare, it's insane right now. It it is. Yes. But when I look at, and I was fortunate enough that I stayed home. With both of mine, I was home with them. And so I didn't feel that transition, but all my sisters did. Mm -hmm. I have three older sisters and they all went back to work after 12 weeks. So I sort of lived it through them. A lot of my friends, when they were having babies, um, my friends at CNN, CNN has daycare. And I thought, isn't that interesting that one of the you know, the probably one of the hardest places to work, one of the most demanding places to work, in the acknowledgement that that is true, they provide uh, daycare for children. And the cool thing about that is when the moms would have to go back to work or the dads would have to go back to work, you could bop down and see your, your baby. Mm-hmm. So on your lunch hour, you could run downstairs and go have lunch with your baby. Or go nurse the baby instead of having to pump. Yeah. And th- and that's a big one, too. And, you know, one of my really good friends at CNN ever so long ago was a guy. And he was my office mate. And his wife had had a baby, but they used CNN daycare. So he could run down and be with his daughter. Yeah. And that is a big, big deal. I mean, the reality is most of us go back to work after we have children. Men and women. Most of us are going back to work. And I think providing that for your employees or providing if they can't give you a year off there has to be some it would be so wonderful i don't say there has to be it would be so wonderful if companies could figure out a way to get you close to your children oh yes totally true that is though i mean that's just the bigger picture when you look at maternity leave and how we really i mean and and 12 weeks let's be clear 12 weeks is a gift to most women in this country i mean most women yes. in this country are not getting 12 weeks and i didn't get 12 weeks paid but i and we had to plan for that i mean most people it's you have a baby and you got to go back within a couple weeks because you have to make money i mean so that in that and that really gets me stressed out but then you look at the couple of weeks of vacation. And then we have just this, and we wonder why are we wound so tight? This is why we're just wound so tight all the time. Do you think, and this is sort of off topic, but do you think what's the longest, because you are one of the hardest working people I've ever met, hands down. 
When was the last time you didn't have a job? Oh, gosh. I started babysitting. I babysat full-time the summer I was 11 and turned 12 for a three-year-old and a <laughs> like a baby, which now I think is crazy. Insane. Yeah, That's insane. just wild. I know. I don't remember ever not having a job. I've always had a job. It is a wonderful thing. But again, it goes back to, we got to figure out how to manage the Sundays. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, totally. The Sundays. So the fun, I mean, I think instituting some fun, I'm loving your Friday night idea of uh, Friday evening, cleaning out your desk, making your desk feel like when you get there on Monday morning, it's a little bit more pleasant. Yeah. It's just welcoming. I mean, I open up my door and I'm happy to sit down. I'm just happy to sit down and get to work. And that, that was something I, I really have done pretty much in this job as long as I've been here because it, it's so it makes such a big difference I can't tell you if you're not doing that now try it and see if that makes a difference I mean I think there are a lot of things you have to think about when you're thinking about work and why you might be feeling blue on Sunday and then you just have to sort of start checking off what you can do to to make it different when I was reading about different strategies that people have or there's actually Elizabeth a wiki how page of how to get rid of the Sunday blues or how to manage them. You know it's bad when there's a wiki how page. <laughs> Honestly, I thought it was so bizarre. But I, one of the things it said, so I went through all of it. One of the things it said is something I do to a limited extent with, so I work primarily with two videographers, and so we're a little team. So I always try and say goodbye to them at night. I just say goodbye. I don't walk around the whole office and say goodbye to everybody, but I'll say goodnight to them because I work most closely with them. It actually said in the wiki how to try and manage the Sunday blues is to walk around your office and say goodbye to people. <laughs> Isn't that funny? Just to make it feel like a more collegial place that you're leaving. So it's a place that you want to come back to. For sure. And I thought that's the simplest thing. And I, I understand that because you want to feel, I mean, you can't make your office your home and you probably shouldn't because then if you get fired, it's ever more traumatic. <laughs> but I mean, I don't think you want to do that, but I do think you have to be conscious of creating those little connections with the people that you work with so that you're happy to see them on Monday morning. So it doesn't feel like such an isolated place. I mean, I think because you and I work in communications and we work on, on teams in a sense, very close knit teams. Teams, we probably feel more engaged with our coworkers than than somebody who might be working a cubicle next to twenty other cubicles. Right, and I think that's the kind of job we make connection with the people we work with because we're going out in the field, we're shooting stories, we're doing stuff that forces us to be together, to drive together. Now, I get to know my videographers because we may have a shoot that's an hour away. Well, you got to talk about something. No kidding. So you get to know the people you work with. But if you're more isolated, I started thinking about how that would be something that you would have to consciously do is try and connect to the people around you so you feel like it's a good place to be. Well, one of these psychologists I was reading about was saying anxiety to define it is the anticipation of pain. So oh when you talk about anxiety in the workplace, it's that anticipation. I mean, and this is where you feel it if you really have a job where you have maybe people have terrible bosses. I mean, people have bosses mm -hmm. who are emotionally abusive. So if you have a boss that's horrible, or if you are living in constant fear that you're going to make a mistake that will cost you your job or cause you to be reprimanded or made to feel stupid or embarrassed mm. or humiliated, it's 
impossible to then not have anxiety about it because if anxiety is the anticipation of pain and you know yeah. that you are working in an environment where pain is going to happen, how do you not feel anxious about that? It's only a natural feeling. That I think is something important to think about when you go with what's the what's the job environment that I want to work in. I worked in several newsrooms before I worked on Twin Cities Live and I could tell the person that was going to be just a bear to work with in every newsroom that I got the job in. And I had an assignment manager at my at one of my stations who was just awful. He was awful. And if I ask anybody that has worked at that station, they will say the same thing about this guy. I mean, he would just make things terrible. And I had, and then at another station, I had an assistant news director that when I was hired and interviewing for the job, I thought, this is going to be the only problem person here. I met like probably right. 40 people that day. You know, I met everybody right. in the newsroom, all the producers, all everybody, tell. the news director, everybody. And it was this one assistant news director, this guy that I thought he is going to be the worst. And he absolutely was the worst, the worst. And I would just get so stressed. And then I would think, this is just not worth it. Why am I subjecting myself to this? And I think continually working with people like that pushed me out of news because yeah. I just I just couldn't do it. And there's some I think there are some workplaces where people sort of pride themselves on we're so tough and we can just be whatever and you got to really be tough to be able to make it here. But there's a toll that that takes on people. And you can be tough and intense and hard working without having to be mean and humiliate other people. It's horrible. It's it's interesting how much that can affect how you feel on Sunday. And it, exactly, anxiety is the anticipation of pain. If you have a bad boss, and it's easy to say, if you have a bad boss, you know, just switch your job. It's hard to find, you know, particularly depending on what field you're in, it's hard to just do that. But boy, if you have a bad boss, you better start the slow process of figuring out how to get out of that situation. Because I've had two in my life. And it doesn't get better. No. And it won't get better. And if if either they need to go or you need to go. And it just, it could take you a year to extricate yourself from that situation. But I remember I was in my mid-30s when I had a particularly bad boss. And it was in news. And I just remember thinking at the time because, and I, I think I give off an, an aura of kind of don't mess with me, but I was watching. It's because you're so highly caffeinated. (laughs) (laughs) It's what it is. They're like, we can't mess with her. She's so, she's so hopped up. She'll be so fast. She'll ninja kick us. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's true. I think there's a little, there's a, there's a little something in my eyes that just still messes with me. That just says like, I'm I'm slightly unhinged and I'm not afraid (laughs) to show it. (laughs) That's good. There's, That's good. There's a superpower people at work. <laughs> Just look like, you know, don't mess with me. But I was watching her manipulate and be cruel to so many of the kind, talented people around me. I kept thinking, I don't want to work here because that was stressing me out. I know. Because, I mean, it would be arrogant to think that my time that it wasn't going to come around to me at some point. It was funny when you were talking about the way that a bad boss behaves and how you have to extricate yourself from the relationship. All I was thinking was, I mean, this is like an abusive partner. It's totally what it is. And when you think about being with an emotionally abusive partner, how much we would all support you leaving. So if Mm -hmm. you see, if you were to see someone's husband 
treating them the way that you saw that boss treating them. I mean, it would be, if that was your friend, it would be all you could do to go to them and say, listen, you, if you need help here and you need to get out, I'm here to help you. But with a boss, you would never do that. And you spend more time with your boss than with your significant other. That's a kind of an amazing thought that we don't immediately see it that way and extricate ourselves even faster. Right. Because you wouldn't you wouldn't encourage anybody to stay, but so many times in a job you can contextualize it that oh, I can get through this. You shouldn't have to. So many companies now in the last 20 or 30 years have instituted pretty rigid human resources departments. And I think it's because of issues that were not tended to like this. And so I think the the workplaces are, you have recourse or you have avenues by which you can address some of those problems. But sometimes it's hard to actually pin it down to an actual thing that you could take to a human resources director, you know, to say that my boss is short with me all the time or they belittle me or they, and make the list. It might not be anything that's actionable. It's just incredibly unpleasant. Totally. You can you still have the right to extricate yourself from that. Because the same thing happens if you have a partner that's doing that to you. It's the mm-hmm. same thing will happen into your workplace. It ship, chips away at your confidence. It chips away yeah. at who you are as a person. It destroys any sort of sense of security that you have. It is majorly increased anxiety. I mean, it's the same impact on you emotionally and then physically because all of those things then manifest themselves into some sort of physical symptom than that you would have if you were with a partner like that. It is so true though, that you would always have sympathy and want to take action for someone who needed to get out of a relationship in which their partner was emotionally abusive. And yet we look at a workplace in a different way. But I do think you're right that it's changing. The problem is you can justify a lot by saying, well, that guy is, you know, he may be a jerk, but boy, he's good at his job and he makes the company a lot of money. And that's how, when you, when you justify behavior with those things, that's how you end up with people being able to behave so poorly. I'm talking to you, Harvey Weinstein. (laughs) I mean, really, (laughs) you know, talking to you, Charlie Rose. I'm talking to you. I mean, that, and, and they're just one in many who are all over the place. Yeah, it's um it is not uh it is not perfect, that's for sure. And I but I think it's uh, I think it's it actually takes it if you take it back and you look at your life and you look at how you're feeling on Sunday and you can go through the list of all of the things that are causing you anxiety on Sunday night and you can sort of rectify those things and do the little tricks that we're talking about if you're still feeling that sort of anxiety on Sunday night then there's a bigger issue. And that's sort of what you have to address. And I think both of us have been through it. And obviously, both of us have addressed it. It's important to know that you don't have to, you don't have to, you don't have to take it, honestly. That's the truth. Okay, so a couple more things before we wrap up here, Marjorie, on Sundays, ways to beat the Sunday scaries. Um, Sleep is really important. And if you have a hard time falling asleep before the big work day, because you're afraid of forgetting something, having a little notebook by your bedside, so you can just write your thoughts down, get them out so that then you can actually go to sleep. Really um, shutting off phones and devices that a lot of experts are saying that we're always looking at work. So we're accessing work all the time. And so we're not getting that true shut off. If you can try to do it on Sundays, 
just turn it off, creating a little wind down routine. So they, you know, exercise is the solution for everything. We should just be exercising all the time. That trying to do a yoga class on a Sunday night or anything that you can do that involves friends, but trying to avoid alcohol on Sunday nights because it's a depressant. And then you don't want to wake up Monday morning in any way feeling sluggish. Oh, gosh. That only makes it harder. Yeah. And then finding a couple people at the office that you can really trust. And so if you're feeling stress or you're feeling that anxiety about work, a couple of people at the office that you can trust that you can really um, bounce things off of and share your worries with will help you to maybe avoid some of those Sunday scaries. It's a hard thing, especially after a long holiday weekend. You're like, oh man, I really have to go back. (laughs) I know. You know, sometimes it's almost harder when you get a Monday off because you get one more taste. And you still have so much work to cram in in those other four days. days. The best schedule I ever had was four 10-hour days. Yes. Because it is amazing when you get that one extra day, how it just, four days, I, I feel like I could, anybody get through four days, but no kidding. that's not the norm. Our, that's not the norm. At the newsroom that, you know, I don't work in the newsroom, but the newsroom at my television station, they their reporters do four 10-hour days and they all tell me they love it. And they it's, do? Yeah, they do four 10-hour days and some of it was just because they were they were getting so much overtime. I mean, there was so much overtime because they were just, they can't do their job really in eight hours. Because if you're a right. reporter and you're coming in and you've got a meeting and then you've got your story and then you've got, you know, a live shot a half an hour away and you're in the six, I mean, there's no way you can do it. So oh, that's fantastic. They did four 10-hour days and I think it really helps a lot of people find a better balance. If you can swing that kind of a thing, it is a good way to go. It is a good way to go. All right. Sunday scaries. I usually, we would say like have some bourbon to combat it, but we just said you shouldn't have alcohol (laughs) on Sunday. So we're not going to say that. (laughs) No yoga, exercise, meditate, do whatever. And some good sleep. All right. If you are enjoying this podcast, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and share it with a friend. And if you have a minute, you can give us a review at Apple Podcasts or even on Facebook. Did you know, Marjorie, our Facebook page has a little reviews section where people can leave reviews. So it's right there. So I found some really fun reviews. I want to say a big thank you to Barbara Brewer on Facebook because she wrote, I think both women are fun and funny. They talk to you like a girlfriend. Plus they are doing this after they have lived through whatever they are talking about. You also get the view of life from a mother with small kids and one with grown kids. I've listened to both of these women for years. It's fun to hear them together. So thanks, Barbara. Oh, that, that is super sweet. And please reach out to us. You can find us both on Instagram at Best of the Nest or at Eliz Reese and at It's Me Marjorie One. We're also on Facebook and Twitter. 